Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. We often spend these 25 minutes together telling you the stories of our church by interviewing our members and other friends of the ministry. You can attend Harvest this weekend. Sunday morning, we have two services, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. You can attend either. The usual COVID-19 protocols will be in place. We do have a live stream also at 9 a.m., which you can find at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. This week, we'll be back in our series, Jesus Changes Everything, this time from Matthew 6, verses 19 through 24. Today on Harvest Time, let's begin by welcoming Pastor Gary Walton. Hi, Pastor. Half a day, Chris. This Sunday, we're going to come back. I think this might be part 14 of our series, so we've been in in a while just talking through this very practical and very challenging teaching on the Sermon on the Mount is what it's called oftentimes. And our text this Sunday morning centers around verse 21, where Jesus says these words. He says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I've said this for a lot of years. There is a direct line that runs from our heart to our wallet. They're connected, and that's exactly what Jesus says. So we want to talk about what God says about our resources, our stewardship, but really what it says about our heart. And I would invite you to come. I feel like each section that we go through this sermon, it's just so foundational for life. And I think that's why Jesus put these conversations together in you know, sort of this key teaching. So as Chris said, we'll be together at 9 o'clock, and then at 11, we'd invite you to either service. We've been having great crowds coming for both services. So come a little bit early and make sure you find the seat that you want. We'll look forward to just diving into God's Word again this Sunday. Well, I'm really thankful to have one of my very good friends with us on Harvest Time today. Not in studio, but we actually have Dr. Patrick Odell on the phone from Ankeny, Iowa. So welcome, Pat. Thanks for being with us. Half a day. It's uh, great to visit with you on the phone here, Pastor Gary, and to be able to be with you in this uh, remote manner uh, on a snowy day in Iowa. Yeah, I heard that. You got a little snowstorm come through or snowing or what's going on right now? It's clearing off now, but they've gotten hit a couple times here. And I actually live in Ohio, but I'm out here for a a conference at Faith Baptist Bible College and looking forward to being able to minister there tonight in their uh, their conference. Well, you were here on Guam, I think, just a little bit about exactly a year ago, right, for our missions conference. Yeah, it's almost been a year where we were introduced to the ministry there of Harvest and thoroughly enjoyed our opportunity to preach God's Word and just to get to know many different folks there that are a part of the ministry. It's really exciting to see what the Lord is doing there, was doing, and is, is doing there. And God even kind of used that missions conference in, in my own heart in terms of his leading me uh, in, a, in a little bit different direction for ministry that, uh, of course, we'll get to talk about today. You and your wife, Ruth, have been friends of faith and mine for a long time since our college days. In fact, maybe even a year or so before that. So we're thankful for our long-term personal friendship. And when Amen. you guys came together you know, last year, you were the pastor at First Baptist Church in Illyria, Ohio. You'd been there for a few years. You'd done some other things in the past, but it wasn't long after that that you were named the new president at Baptist Mid-Missions. Tell me about that process. Certainly. That is mutual in terms of our relationship and even the impact that 
that you had of my life when I was a, a young young person, teenager, as a matter of fact. And so we've enjoyed our friendship and, and opportunities to serve as well over the years. But mm-hmm. the Lord was at work in my heart, even as I was preaching there on, on missions. You said it, I was a pastor. So I had actually never preached a full missions conference. I organized them and been a part of missions conferences. But you invited me to come as a pastor to preach on missions. Well, God knew that at the same time, Baptist and Missions had been talking to me about the possibility of serving as their next president, and he was working in, in my heart in terms of surrender and willingness to give up a ministry I, I so, so love. At, at First Baptist, we'd served there for nine years as their senior pastor, and God just made it very, very clear. And I, I guess I could call that Missions Conference kind of the final way that the Lord worked in my heart to mm-hmm. affirm that uh, he was calling me to to this, this type of ministry. So I appreciate uh, the opportunity, and, and the Lord knew that was all His plan. So I appreciate the way God, God worked in, in my heart in that way. And uh, we're enjoying it. I officially started as the president in June of 2020. I appreciate that opportunity. I want to talk with you, Pat, about missions. I mean, that's sort of the main purpose of the conversation. But before we get there, let me back up just for a minute to ask you this question. What do you love about okay. the church? I know from your heart and our friendship that you have a deep love for the church yeah. and your pastoral uh, ministry. What would you say if you yeah. were asked? What do you love about the church? Well, the church is the heartbeat of Christ, I and mean, it's the heartbeat of God. It's his plan for today. You know, Christ died for the church. He loved the church. Ephesians makes that very clear. And, and Christ said that, that he will build his church in the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so to just know that you are serving and you are doing what the Lord wants you to do in and through a local church, and now with Baptist Admission through a whole bunch of local churches, mm-hmm. is exciting, because that's where God is at work, making disciples, reaching people for Christ, and bringing them to maturity so that they can be godly and reproducing Christians that are reaching other people for Christ. So it, it's just really an amazing privilege to be the pastor of the church. And I've and I've told people, some folks have congratulated me on, quote-unquote, a promotion mm-hmm. of becoming president of a mission agency, and, and I don't see it that way at all, because the pinnacle of serving the Lord is in the local church as a pastor. And so all of you know, God's changes in ministry, when he moves us from one ministry to another, it's always a lateral move. It's never a promotion. It's always a lateral move to his will and his plan for our lives. And so I'm thankful for churches like First Baptist Lyria, but also for churches like Harvest that are taking seriously that charge of the, of the Great Commission and fulfilling it. Yeah, you know, Pat, it's felt like over the years as I evaluated churches informally and also just watch pastors and, and ministry, that one of the key components of uh, ministries that God's using, and even pastoral ministries, is this idea of a genuine love for God's church, a passion for it that is just a consuming part of their lives. And I've seen that in your life, and I think it's born fruit. Hey, uh, if we Thank were to you. back up, you know, a year ago, you were on the beautiful, sunny island of Guam, ministering God's word to us. And we talked about this transition. I mean, I'm sure that this last year has been a whirlwind of things. Mm-hmm. What's that been like for you? It has. It, it has been a whirlwind in, in terms of, you know, right as we returned from Guam, of course, COVID officially hit and the pandemic. And so it was a whirlwind of shepherding a church that, I mean, you know well, 
shepherding a church through that, and you've had to do that there at Harvest, and then to stand up and announce to my church that the Lord was calling the Baptist in missions was not an easy thing. I absolutely love First Baptist. I say in present tense, love it. It's not a past tense. It continues to be. I love First Baptist and the people there. But the Lord made it really, really clear. So it was a whirlwind of wrapping up ministry there, helping them to begin the transition the transition of pastoral search, and then jumping in with both feet at Baptist and missions. And the, the learning curve of that's been, been challenging, but been great. I was mentored by our previous president, Dr. Rosenau, before he went to be with the Lord. He actually passed away of cancer on Christmas Day, but he spent several months with me just training me and preparing me and, and helping mentor me for that. And so we're, we're thankful for the way that the Lord's teaching us how to serve Him in a new capacity, and, and yet in a similar capacity. I'm, rather than shepherding First Baptist, I have the joy of shepherding over 500 missionaries that are spread across the planet today and uh, serving God so faithfully. So it's, it's been a challenging but really, really good transition. Baptist Mid-Missions has had the privilege of really having some gifted men lead them. Tell us about Baptist Mid-Missions right now. In fact, maybe I'll ask you this question first. Why would you make this kind of transition and lead us then to, you know, what's going on with Baptist Mid-Missions? Yeah, well, a, a big part of the transition for me was asking myself the question in light of the judgment seat of Christ, how can I best spend my life? How can I best invest my life to make an eternal impact in souls, in terms of souls coming to know Christ as their Savior? And First Baptist has had a phenomenal footprint of ministry locally and globally, but when you compare that to the global footprint of, of Baptist admission, the 500-plus missionaries, it was really compelling for me to realize that I want the Lord to get the most out of my life possible, and I'm 50, God willing, I hope to serve for another 20 years at least. I'm past the halfway mark, I guess you could say, of of fruitful ministry, and I just want to make the Lord to make the most of of my final 20 years, all Lord willing. And so it's exciting to think about what God is doing and even what opportunities there are around the world. The Lord laid on my heart five prayer goals that refer to as advanced vision. There was a group of pastors, of 12 pastors and laymen, actually, or so, that met in 1920, and they forged what became Baptist Mid-Missions, and they they said their purpose was twofold. Number one, it was to reach the millions that have not yet heard the gospel of Christ. And the second one was to awaken the churches of, of the United States as to their responsibility to reach the millions. And really, 100 years later, here we are, over 100 years later now, that's still our vision, is to reach the millions, but then to awaken the churches that it's our job to do that. So out of that original vision, God has spurred my heart with, with really five goals that are that are designed to be 20-year goals, and they are, we're asking God to, to raise up 20,200 prayer partners, people that would say, I'll pray daily, God willing, the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest field. So that's our first goal. The second is that the Lord would provide us with 2,020 financial partners that would be willing to give $20 a month, and that he'd also provide us with 202 financial partners that would give $200 a month, and then that God would raise up 20 new missionaries every year to the fields. That's higher than our average has been the last 10 years, considerably higher, as is the case with almost every mission agency of our stripe and type. Most of them 
numerically are declining in terms of new missionaries. And so that's a huge faith goal for us to ask God to supply us with 20 new missionaries every year. And then the last goal is that the Lord would give us the opportunity to open 20 fields in 20 years, 20 fields or 20 ministries uh, in 20 years. You know, there are places in the world that need the gospel that are yet to hear the gospel and or are of such size population-wise that we're just, we're not even making a dent Mm -hmm. in the population. So our advanced magazine will come out here in the next month, and it focuses on the new frontiers. And some of those new frontiers for Baptist admissions are creative access nations, where in order for us to get in there, typically they're Muslim nations, we have to be creative to get there and to stay there. So focus on that. And then the, the other focus is the mega cities of the world. I think the top five cities of the world average in size of 25 million people, which is amazing that they're that huge, the mega cities of the world. And those are the places where the gospel is barely making a dent just because of the growth of those cities. So those are, those are some new frontiers for us. We have missionaries in some of those places, but there are plenty of those that we don't yet have missionaries. And so we're asking God to do that, too. You said over 500 missionaries. How many countries is Baptist Admissions missionaries present in? Yeah, we're in just around 60. I say that because it's always that's always a changing number right. as, as we come and go and as we transition ministry to the national pastors and different things. So we're right around 60. Baptist Admissions has you know, church planning missionaries all over and then another a number of other ministries. In fact, Bibles International, mm-hmm. which was ministry right. of faith and I were part of in Grand Rapids, is part of Baptist Mid-Missions. It's under the parent organization of Baptist yeah. Mid-Missions. Yeah, that's one of our, our just super bright spots in terms of a ministry that is flourishing and doing really, really well. It's exciting to see all the different translation works that are going on around the world. And you know that even better than I do, how amazing it is when people receive their first copy of Scripture in their heart language and are actually able to read the Word of God for themselves in their own language, and how God uses that then to evangelize, but also to disciple and build churches. Yeah, we love uh, Bibles International and the ministry there and, and what God's doing. And we also you know, love Baptist Mid-Missions. That connected Faith and I in a mm-hmm. deeper way. We've, of course, mentioned we've known Dr. Anderson for many years yeah. and appreciated him so much, but our involvement at Bibles International kind of gave us a little bit of an inside look at what God's doing at Baptist Mid, and uh, and I'm thankful for that ministry. I'm thankful for your leadership, Pat. I feel as, you know, I think you affirmed, or God affirmed, I feel like God's prepared you and equipped you for this season and the challenges in front and the opportunities in front of us, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, thank you very much. We definitely need the prayers of God's people and the continued support of, of God's people as well to keep doing what the Lord has called us to do, and we're grateful that His grace is sufficient and that His promises are true. It was you know Christ that said He'll build His church, and so we're on the winning team. We yeah. uh, just want to be faithful to do what He's asked us to do, realizing that He's the one that does things that only He can do. This has been an incredibly challenging season for everybody this last year, 2020, and now into 2021, challenging for ministries. Could you tell us about the effects on missions, maybe particularly Baptist Mid, but just in general, you know, what's COVID done for missions around the world? Yeah, it's a unique combination of great challenges, um, but great opportunities. And so, you know, on the island of Guam, 
how challenging it was with different protocols and or restrictions. And that's been true across the globe, really, and it depends on where, where people are serving as to how severe those are and how restrictive they are. But we've seen the entire gamut, the entire spectrum of that. So that's been the challenge. But the great thing is, is our missionaries have been as creative as, probably more creative than they've ever been. Yeah. Just to try to fulfill the gospel and the Great Commission. So, you know, I read stories of a missionary in, in Peru not being able to hold church in the traditional way and the out and about like they normally would be. And so what do they do? They set up loudspeakers on the third story roof of their house and mm-hmm. they broadcast their service from the rooftop. Mm-hmm. And one of the neighbors listens through a crack in the wall and this this couple, they both trust Christ as their Savior mm-hmm. as a result of them proclaiming the Word through really loud speakers. And in you know, South America, you know, that's a pretty common thing, people <laughs> and loudspeakers. So, yeah very fitting culturally for for them to do something like that. So another example would again be in Peru, but of a church that was really just a fledgling church that did a ton of, of food distribution because of their community really being primarily lower class day, work, day laborers who made enough money for today to hopefully have enough food for tomorrow. And they had seen over 100 people profess faith in Christ as a result of the distribution and then the evangelism that was coupled with it. And approximately 30 of those people are in discipleship Bible studies, which mm. to me is even more exciting because that's evidence of genuine conversion when people are continuing on in Bible studies. And this is, in a, like I said, a new church plant in Alta Cusco, which is right above Cusco in, in Peru, South America. So exciting things like that going on despite the travel challenges, despite the being out in public challenges, you know, and then list going on in terms of what our people are doing with streaming that maybe they've never done before and, and Zoom discipleship and Zoom evangelistic Bible studies and they've really, really stepped up. And so I'm I'm just really encouraged that despite the fact that we've had a, a pandemic, the church is marching forward and continuing to fulfill that mandate. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, Jesus said the gates of hell would not prevail against his church. Yeah. And neither will a pandemic. There are some <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there are some challenges, you know, that come along the way. You know, I know out here, right. Pat, a number of our missionaries to the islands. Yeah. Several of them were, you know, were on furlough or, you know, back in the states, and there, you know, there's no flights going back to the islands, and so we've got several of our missionaries yeah. that we love that just haven't been able to go back, and God's still using this time in the in those island churches to grow and challenge them. I know even some of our missionaries with Baptist Mid, we just heard from the Beckmans. I think they're trying to get back to Thailand, uh-huh. but travel to get back is hard. I just talked with Joel Wagner, who's part of Bibles International, and you know we just read the news, right. just saw the news about Myanmar. I'm sure right. that those stories that I know of, of some of the challenges are just multiplied for the 500 missionaries you're called to shepherd, right? I, yeah. I'm sure it's got to yeah. be challenging. Yeah, yeah it is. And, and really, those stories could probably just be repeated over and over again in, in terms of whether or not there's a flight there, whether or not when they get there, they have to quarantine. I know a lot of Asia, there's a mandatory two weeks in a hotel at your own expense per, per cost per person. And so our missionaries are faced with the dilemma of okay, do we go and realize that's going to cost us a lot of money or do we wait until that's listed? And, you know, we've given direction to our missionaries, but we've not given any kind of mandate. We let them make that decision based on their 
personal situation and the council they're sending church. And so some are going and some are staying and there's a lot of different factors like that. So what you've heard about those missionaries is multiplied times many others that are facing those challenges. Yeah, I guess when we're praying that God would send laborers into the harvest field, I mean, it is critical that we would pray that those who desire to be there could be there and could be effective. And maybe that's part of our yeah. prayer requests. Pat, I know Absolutely. that you're just, you know, sort of wading into the pool right now. But maybe let me ask you one more question. As you're kind of getting your bearings on missions worldwide, are there a couple of places around the world where God is just moving in very unique ways? And I guess I'm trying to set a tone for somebody that's listening and just really burdened for missions. You know, is there some special areas or maybe an area that you see as the door is wide open and there's just not enough laborers? Anything you could kind of highlight for us as we kind of finish this conversation? It's hard to pick one because there are a number of different places. But I think the not enough laborers part of it would be the cities of the world where, you know, when you have a city of multiple millions of people, and when I refer to these cities, you know, it's one thing for the actual city itself, but when it, when you include all of the villages and all the suburbs or whatever you want to call them around the cities, really it's a major metropolis. We just can't keep up. Mm-hmm. There are not enough people to go to reach just the population growth, let alone the population itself. And so I think that the cities of the world would be the place there's the greatest opportunity for Christ. And then, you know, we're not necessarily seeing outstanding fruitfulness, but the creative access nations would also represent places where the gospel's not been named. And how can we get there is one of the questions we keep asking ourselves as an administration at VMM is, how can we get there? How can we help people get there? What can we do to be creative, to make it possible to be able to have gospel partners, those types of countries? And so I read one book recently that said that the next wave of missions is going to be the result of people who are actually vocational. In other words, they're working a job in a foreign country, and that to stay there and be there is because of, of their vocation. But while they're there, they are a part of a team that is bringing people to Christ and establishing a church, that kind of stuff. So I think in the next century, for Baptist admissions, we're going to see folks like that that maybe continue their career with all that's you know, involved in, and being able to do things remotely now. So they may continue their career, but are part of a team that, that reaches people from Christ in mm. tough places. Well, as you know, Pat, our burden, our heart at Harvest is that this place would be just a hub of mission-sending people around this region, which it has been for years, but even beyond. In fact, we're wondering if some of these closed countries are difficult for Americans to get into, and it may be that God allows some of our college students. There's some locations that our Micronesian students have access to that even an American citizen from the States may not have access to. But anyhow, we're just want to be a place and asking God to use this as a place that would continue to multiply the missions effort around this this area and around the world. So, uh, yeah, we're excited about that part. Thankful for your ministry with us. And, And Pat, I'm just praying that God would multiply your ministry in just amazing ways in the coming years. I think he's prepared you for it. So looking forward to God's blessing in your life. 
appreciate that very much. And we appreciate both your friendship and your partnership. I know that on a personal level, your heartbeat and my heartbeat are the same, but I think also that on a bigger level, the heartbeat of Baptist admissions and the heartbeat of Harvest Baptist are, are the same as well. And so we're thankful for, for both the friendships and the partnerships and look forward to seeing what God continues to do. Hey, if somebody's interested, is listening and interested in kind of connecting with Baptist Mid, you mentioned Advance Magazine. I mean, they could, you know, send in a note to Baptist Mid Missions and receive that yeah. regularly. Any other ways that somebody could connect? Yeah, I mean, they could go on our website, which is just simply bmm.org. There's a way to request Advance Magazine there. Uh, and then there's an email address of info at bmm.org that they could also ask to be added to that list, or they could even send an email and say, I'm willing to be one of the one of the 20,200 mm-hmm. uh, prayer partners or giving partners. They could email us at, at info at bmm.org, and, and we'd be glad to add folks to our, our partnerships in that way. Facebook's another way. Twitter's another way. We're, we're in all those different, different places as well. Okay. Great, Pat. Appreciate it very much. Thanks for giving us some time here. We'll have to have you back out here, you know, soon. My pleasure. It's always always good to visit with you, and great to have the opportunity just to minister in this way through the radio broadcast. And thank you for listening to Harvest Time. Just want to remind you and invite you again to Harvest Baptist Church this weekend, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We have those two services. You can attend either. The usual COVID-19 protocols will be in place. Our live stream is at 9 a.m. You can find that on hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. And this week we'll be back in our series, Jesus Changes Everything, Matthew 6, verses 19 through 24. Thanks again for listening to Harvest Time. Harvest Time.